Well, we are going to start today a, a message series in the book of James, and we're going to be in this for about 10 weeks. Yeah, we're calling this Faith in Action because uh, James is a book that really wrestles with the, the, the tension between faith, our salvation by God's grace through faith, and the evidence of that salvation, which are the deeds that we do. Now, James is written by, uh, we, most scholars would agree, written by uh, a guy named James, surprisingly enough, uh, who is uh, probably, we, we, if it's the James that, that most agree, the half-brother of Jesus. He was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. James was um, martyred in 62 AD, and so this book is written, this letter is written some 25 to 30 years, probably after Jesus was crucified, resurrected, and ascended. And what's remarkable is that even in that short period of time, they're already struggling with things like competition in the church, favoritism, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, bad language in the church, um, trying to grapple with who should be helped and who shouldn't be helped. So it's a really um, relevant uh, letter because it addresses so many of the same things that we deal with today. And so we're going to uh, we're going to start in just right at the beginning, James chapter one. And it's it's really written to believers, um, you know, kind of Jewish uh, converted believers who were now beginning to scatter. As persecution began in Jerusalem, those believers went other places. And as they went, they planted churches in places like Antioch and so on. Uh, but James is writing to those people. So if you've got your Bible and you found James, it's very near the end of the New, New Testament. Uh, if you find Hebrews, which is kind of a bigger one, it's right after that. Um, and so we're going to read verses 1 through 18. So again, I know you've been standing for a while, but if you're able, please stand with me for the reading of God's word. He writes this, This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, uh, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade like a flower in the field. The hot sun rises, the grass withers, the little flower droops and falls, and its beauty fades away. And in the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth 
to death. So James has just spelled out exactly what happens when we kind of play around with sin and temptation. We think, I've got this, I've got this control, under control, it's not a big deal. It runs away and takes us to death. Verse 16, so don't be misled, dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from our God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Amen. Let's be seated together. You are God's prized possession today. Isn't that good? There's prized possession. He loves you. Now, as I was thinking about, really want to focus on that, that kind of opening there of, uh, uh, of, of being joyful when trouble comes. It reminded me of a, of a song. You, you might know it if you know the lyrics. You can say them with me. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Did you? What's the next line? Brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Exactly. You could, you know, you, you know where that's from. Julie Andrews, right, saying that in one of the greatest movie musicals of all time, which is a funny thing to say. I'm not sure if there's... Can you say movie, musical, and greatest in the... There was nothing as disappointing as walking into The Greatest Showman and realizing it was a musical. It's like, oh, No. But actually, it was really good. We enjoyed. We have the DVD, so there you go. But you could uh, you could rewrite rewrite that for yourself, couldn't you? I I, I came up with one. Uh, uh, for GT Mustangs that roar from the tailpipes, F-18 jet planes on Fresno patrol flights, coffee and hockey, and when Christy sings, these are a few of my favorite things. Right. You come up with one. Tell you what, whatever we would come up with, none of us would include hardships and trials and painful encounters, right? We wouldn't. We wouldn't call those our favorite things. Nobody wants trouble, difficult experiences, hardship, temptation. We don't want those things. I don't, I don't even appreciate inconvenience. And yet, as we just read, James puts up this incredible challenge in verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Or another translation says, consider it all joy or pure joy. That is a contradiction, isn't it? Hardship and joy. How do those things go together? That doesn't even make sense to our natural mind. And I, I admit, I have... I have not considered, for example, the interruptions of COVID with great joy. This has not been like made me happy kind of season. And I I think I'm guilty. I'm confessing to you that I'm guilty of the opposite. I'm guilty of complaining about it. It's Now, it's been disruptive for me. But for some, and maybe for you, it's been downright life-altering. It's been genuine hardship. And, and I admit, I, you know, I've been maybe negative instead of joyful. And I'm working on that. But you, but you think, well, I, I'm entitled to a little complaining. I mean, really. And that doesn't hurt anyone, does it? I mean, well, it, it actually does. It is hurtful. It is harmful. Consider this. According to this, we have two 
responses, potential responses generally to trials, troubles, hardships, everything. One is we can complain. We, we can, we can do that or we can consider it an opportunity for joy. Because James says that these difficulties can produce endurance in our lives. Resilience, right? And therefore, if we have endurance, we build character. But this is the thing. It doesn't happen automatically. The growth of character is dependent on choosing joy. The joyful, positive attitude is the only path to that better character. Those things are connected. So don't just say, well, I'm going through hard times and it makes me better. Because meanwhile, a negative, complaining attitude leads to what? Bitterness more than anything. Harshness, resentments. It can also develop physical maladies, right? Chronic pain, hypertension, headaches. It carries on into our mental health. Those negative things can really birth horrible things in our lives. So it doesn't hurt anyone? No, it does. A complaining negative attitude is hurtful to myself and to others. And so we have this choice. I can choose joy or I can, or, or not. I, I can choose joy, which could lead to endurance and, and character, or I can choose negativity leading to further pain, sin, even death, James says. Now, why can we be joyful? That's the question. Well, why does it matter? Like what? Okay, so I get some character and endurance, but why can I choose joy? It's because of this. Every trial reminds us we are made for eternity. Every trial reminds us we are made for eternity. It reminds you that this world is not your home. There's this Mercy Me song that's been getting a lot of airplay called Almost Home. Have you heard that? Almost home, brother, it won't be long. Soon all your burdens will be gone. With all your strength, sister, run wild, run free. Hold your head up, hold up your head, keep pressing on. We are almost home. That's become kind of a song that I've noticed is starting to be used in, in slideshows at memorial services because it's just, it's really profoundly true. You think about some of those old hymns like, Oh Lord, you know, this world is not my home, right? Or when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. And I, I, I'm reminded in all this of this, that old cliche, you know that cliche, what, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? Boy, lots of song references today. Who sings that? Is that pink? I don't know. Kelly Clarkson. There you go. Thank you. I'll get it right in the second service. It doesn't kill you, make you stronger. I think, I think that's a myth. I think it's a myth. What doesn't kill you could make you bitter if you let it. Right? But when we face trials with the choice of joy, endurance and character will grow. Uh, like, like, like a piece of steel. You know, they harden steel by putting it in the fire or, or like gold that gets purified by, by the intense heat of the refining process. We don't like it, but it's for our good. And it's important to catch here that, that these hardships and trials are really a test of our faith. A test of our faith. Not just character. Verse, verse three says this. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Faith is connected to these things. How is it a test of faith? Well, whatever I'm going through relates to my confidence in God. So it's an opportunity for a self-examination of my faith. Let me give you some examples. Do I trust God? Do I have faith in God 
with my health and my safety? Do I trust in God? Do I have faith for God to supply my needs? Do I have faith in God to care for my kids and my spouse and my parents? Do I trust in God to protect me from criticism and slander, insults, misunderstandings? Do I, do I trust in God's justice to ultimately cut through the lies and the hatefulness of culture to expose falsehood and to reveal truth? Do I have faith for all those things? Because when, when I'm under attack, when I'm under pressure, when I'm in hardship, it's a test of my faith. What, do I really trust God in all these things? Do I, do I have the faith for the everyday concerns of life? Could be something as simple as your car breaking down or something as serious as your marriage breaking down. But it always comes back to a test of your faith. Every difficulty is a test of your faith in God. Every difficulty is a test of your faith in God. So it's not just a test of your character. It's a test of your faith. Do you trust God in the midst of it? Now, to be clear, trials, temptations, difficulties, they're not from God, James says. Um, You know, verse 13 says, when you're being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. Instead, verse 17 declares this. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created the lights in the heavens and he never changes or casts a a shifting shadow. God God is consistently good. He is consistently good. He doesn't throw evil into your life just to see how you're going to do. He's not the source of your troubles. He's certainly not the source of your temptation. God is... God is good and his, his fundamentally good character explains how he can take even a bad circumstance in your life and use it for good and turn it around. He is the God who rewards, not the God who brings evil into your life. Verse 12 says that God blesses those who endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. God is a, a rewarding God. And I, I don't know. I don't know what you're facing today. Obviously, there's lots of things swirling around. You might be dealing with something that you would definitely not put in your version of these are a few of my favorite things. Financial problems, grief and loss, sibling conflict, relationships, marital stuff, health issues, whatever it is that you're dealing with. But James lets us know that we have a choice. We have a choice. Consider it an opportunity to complain. Or an opportunity to be joyful. And the last thought I just want to add to this is out of verse 5. He says, in the context of all these trials, if you need wisdom, ask God. And he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Ask our generous God. How often have you been in a situation where you just say, I, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know how to handle this situation. I Parenting, work, finances, whatever. It's like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm out of, op- I'm out of ideas here. People are giving you their options, but you're stuck. And God has this amazing promise. It's an amazing promise. With, without doubting, ask in faith for wisdom in the midst of your trial. And God, who is generous, will give you wisdom. And so I would just say it this way. Don't forget to ask for wisdom. Don't forget to ask for wisdom. You can always ask. You will not be rebuked for asking for wisdom. If you're tracking with us in the R&R Journal this, these days, you'll notice we, we just got into the book of Proverbs. And um, in the first few chapters, we're introduced to the 
to the woman named Wisdom. The woman named Wisdom. And she says, cry out for insight and ask for understanding. For the Lord, the Lord grants wisdom. Even in the Old Testament, their their teaching is from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So don't forget to ask for wisdom. You need it. God gives it. It's perfect. And I find that wisdom does not download like a Google search. I ask, and before I'm done, you know, I need wisdom for, and then it fills in the rest of the sentence. It's not like that. It doesn't like populate with 72 pages of wisdom. It's as we yield, as we are still and know that God is God. As we wait for him to speak, wisdom comes from his mouth. So you got to learn to listen to God's speaking. Learning to trust his guidance. Placing your faith more and more in him. As that happens, wisdom becomes apparent. And you realize, well, I actually did the right thing there. Yeah, because you were patient and you waited on the Lord. I don't know if you feel like so many of us that you're kind of spinning your wheels in this very confusing time. But I want you to hear the Lord's invitation to you today. Consider your trials with joy. Because as you do that, it builds endurance and builds character. Every trial reminds us of eternity. This is not your final home. This is not the, this is not all you're going to get. Every trial reminds of eternity. Every difficulty is a test of our faith. And yet, thankfully, we ask for wisdom always and often. I would just say in this, whatever's happening in this season in our nation, in your life, in our schools, in our businesses, in our homes, I really believe that we are having an opportunity to make room for God to do something new. A, a pastor friend of mine, we, tech, we were texting this week about the news, which was a bit of a false flag about whether or not we'd be allowed to sing. And he said, we may become an underground church in our lifetime. It's possible. It's possible. America, as you know, it is really facing some major shifts. My hope is not in America. I'm wearing a nice tie this morning, but this is not where my hope is. My hope is in the Lord. My trust is in God. My confidence is in Him. My citizenship is in heaven. So I'm not, I'm not going to be in despair. I, I want to pray for all those things that we, we long for, but I'm not going to be in despair about it because God is still God. And I'm, I'm willing for God to do something new in my life and new in our church. Christy, you're going to lead us in this song. Come on up. And whether you're singing this morning or, or just kind of listening, I'm ready for God to do something new. I hope you are too. God loves to do new things. Will you stand together as we, as we sing? God, we love you. We thank you for your great love for us. Lord, we don't like trials. We don't like hardships and difficulties. It's a pain. And yet, God, we want to be the people who learn to choose joy, to consider it joy, pure joy, even when it doesn't feel like it. 
and knowing that you're building a resilient remnant of people who are going to stand firm no matter what comes. And we want to be those people. And Lord, for any that are struggling in their faith today, God, I just pray that you encourage them, that you meet them right at the point where they are today and lift them up. The, the broken reed, the, the, the bruised spirit, Lord, lift them up today, I pray. Do something new in our lives, I ask. In Jesus' name, amen.